Talk. What is News Radio 923? News, news and information, information for, for Pensacola. Pensacola. The Pensacola Morning News with Andrew McKay, 5 till 9. The Pensacola Expert Panel or Pep Talk from 9 to 11. Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins, 11 until 2. Guy Benson from 2 to 4. Pensacola Right Now from 4 to 7. Dave Ramsey from 7 to 10. WEAR TV at 10. And Brian Kilmeade overnight at 11. On News Radio 923. Informative, local, dependable. Good morning, Pensacola. Andrew McKay and the Pensacola Morning News starts right now. A Monday warrior, mean, mean stride. Today's Tom Sawyer, mean, mean pride. Inspections fund. This is um, a canary in the coal mine, so to speak. So when you start seeing that revenue dip, and again, this is off a banner year, so it's not anything that is is a an alarming measure. It's just something that I wanted to bring up because you can see as our revenues fall off, then our expenditures, by definition, will have to, to curtail as well. Inspections is fine. Their reserves are healthy. There is nothing unusual about this. I'm just pointing it out as a trend that you can see. I know I know. this is a voice you probably don't hear an awful lot on the show. This is Amy Lavoie. She's the finance uh, chief for Pensacola City, and uh, she used to be at the county, and then she came over to the city with Mayor Robinson. And she said some really interesting things at the end of the agenda review on Monday I wanted to share with you. This was kind of a – now, this one she was specifically talking about inspections, but – she mentioned a handful of different categories in which 2022 was way up for revenue and 2023 looks like it is trending down. Now, you know, that's one year down doesn't mean that it's particularly bad, but, you know, it is a downtrend of some sort. And the question is, well, why and how much? And so I asked her, you know, how significant is this? And here's what she texted me. Um, there are a number of different revenues that are trending separately. The most interesting are sales tax revenues. We are still waiting for the final month's revenue collection, but it would be very difficult at this point to see an increase over fiscal 2022, which were record numbers. For example, lost local option sales tax will probably finish the year between 140 and 210,000 below um, uh, uh, the, the the previous fiscal year. This would be a reduction of 1% to 2%. Not horrible, still substantially above the forecast, but absent the pandemic year, it is the first reduction we've seen in a number of years. And again, she called it canary in the coal mine. And, you know, as I said, she mentioned several different funds where this was the trend. Uh, second thing, um, a very interesting note was that on FEMA, for salary repairs, we've had a change in what FEMA is going to cover. This is a good news note. We had a total of 64 FEMA-eligible products, totaling just over $27 million. Since I believe the last time I've talked to you about this, FEMA has come back and increased their share of the cost. Typically, it is 75% of the cost. They increased their federal share to 90%. That means the remaining 10% is split with the state, meaning we will pay 5% and they will pay 5%. So this is very good news that FEMA has increased their coverage to 90%. And so we pay you know, only 5% now of the total cost. And I asked her, well, how much? You know, What is the total here? She said the current total costs are around $27 million. So the city's from Sally. So the city's normal cost would have been about three million four hundred. Yeah, three million four hundred thousand. With the change, the city's cost is now one point three million, which means a net savings because of this rule by FEMA of two million dollars. So just like that, FEMA gave us two million dollars. <laughs> 
That's not too bad, right? Um, all these costs are approximate because FEMA is only going to reimburse uh, to fix damages back to the original scope. That's why, like, the fishing pier is not being redesigned. It's being rebuilt as it was exactly because that's how FEMA works. Uh, if the city decided to do anything different or otherwise, they'd have to pay 100% of that cost and obviously might lose some of that funding if we decided to go in a different direction. The third part of her comments, I just thought it was, I'll be honest, when I, I, I a lot of times when I get to the end of the agenda review, I kind of zone out because the finance stuff is not my bag. But I thought some of these were very interesting updates, and that's why I wanted to share it with you. Uh, not Amy's fault. It's just the material is often dry. Anyway, Amy's great. Um, so this was the third thing was, you know, the seawalls at Wayside Park by the Visitor Center that have been destroyed ever since Sally and the railing there, and it's not safe, and the park is closed. So what about that cost and what's going on there? This is not as good of a news note, but it's something. The last one is the seawalls project, and as of that time, I had told you we were awaiting a determination from FEMA as to eligibility. We have since we have since um, received it. They will be giving us, I believe, about another hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars over what we've already paid, which is about five hundred thousand dollars. I will tell you, the hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars is not going to fix the seawalls. So we are pursuing other grant opportunities. Yeah, that's a disappointing one. Uh, we put in five hundred. FEMA is going to cover one hundred and seventy-five to repair the seawall. The initial cost estimate to FEMA for repairing that area, two million. And that's an old estimate because, as you know, everything has gone up in price. Everything is, I mean, maybe 50% or double now. So this is going to be pretty significant. She didn't even want to venture a guess about how much the difference would be. But, you know, looking for grants and other for, for, you know, sources of funding. Uh, so with one hand, a FEMA gives. With the other hand, a FEMA takes away. Um, <laughs> and some's covered, some is not. But I thought that was an interesting update. And then also something that you all have experienced in your own life um, has also come to plague the city, not surprisingly, the cost of insurance. I thought about giving you a um, slide about our insurance renewals, but I just didn't have the heart. So um, <laughs> To present you the information in a picture would be so discouraging. <laughs> I just wanted to tell you verbally. They are up. This is monies that you have budgeted already in your 24 budget. But just like your homeowners, insur homeowners insurance, they have not done <laughs> I, I, I love Amy, but I kind of got to make fun of her. For, and, and we've oh, all made man. that slip. Oh. Everybody's made that slip. <laughs> oh, man. Just... I'm, I'm a 12-year-old boy with you today. That is, oh, man. Yeah, I've been looking into the homo's insurance. <laughs> <laughs> Not here in Florida. Yeah. Homo's insurance. Where to go? Here we but go. But just like your homo's insur homeowner's insurance, <laughs> they have not fared well. So I know that a lot of municipalities and counties in the area had almost doubling of their property um, property casualty insurance. I think we escaped with just a 30% increase in property casualty. This is already budgeted into your 24 budget, but um, insurances are a tough scale, are a tough sunk cost to overcome. Sometimes. They absolutely <laughs> are. I mean, some uh, cities are doubling. The, the the important part is that <laughs> some places have doubled, and we're only having a 30% increase. But I know, Jake, based on your reaction and no. probably what everybody else is saying is, that's not been the takeaway from this segment. But Nobody, just like your homeowners. <laughs> Nobody heard anything she said after that. And I don't know how she concentrated. When, th uh, when that happens to me, I can't talk I, after that. I'm so sorry, Amy, for playing that clip. I know... <laughs> Amy's the best, and but you're gonna get, you know, she, people are gonna be like, "So I heard you on the radio today." 
717 News Radio 923. I'm telling you, now, I'm I'm a philosopher. I pay attention to as much as I can pay attention to, and then there's some things that just they're just funny. Squirrel. Uh, Jake is a squirrel. That's exactly right. Jake's got traffic on the fives. Oh, 98 in Winhaven starting to slow down a little bit eastbound in front of the new Publix. Also, Highway 29 in Cantonment uh, in front of the raceway there is slow in both directions. Let me check the map since I was so caught up in in that clip. Uh, Tiger Point. Uh, 98 westbound looks uh, to be slow starting at uh, Garcon Point. Uh, looking around elsewhere, I think we're good to go. This traffic report <laughs> is brought to you by Frontier Motors. Frontier Motors is the only dealer Dave Ramsey recommends in Pensacola. Frontier Motors on Beverly Parkway. Keep your traffic tips coming in to 437 1620. This is News Radio 92.3, informative, local, dependable. <laughs> the best I, just, I can't. That's the best. 437 1620. We got uh, Clint text in. Great. I have to pull over and clean the coffee off my windshield. <laughs> Oh man, the world's a fun place. It's a fun place for sure. You have to. Uh, oh my god, I, I don't. <laughs> I'm also kind of like, what else can you hear after that? Well, uh, how about this? Let's talk about Medicare. Uh, sure, why not? Um, you know, if you're 64 turns 65, you're going to make a change, and like this is the time, right? This is the the period of the year, so you're going to switch over on a Medicare, and it's probably something that you're a little bit apprehensive about because you've not done this before, obviously, and because you've been on insurance your whole life, and now you're going to be in a different kind of insurance. You got questions: what's prescription? What's a supplement? What is Medicaid? Does that apply to me? You know, all of that's okay, fine. Ask Ricky Stewart. She's a good friend. I've known her as long as we lived here. If I were 64, I'd be calling her, you know, for this because she's great at it. She's helped so many of you folks get transitioned over on a Medicare. Just easy, okay? It might seem stressful. It really doesn't have to be. She'll answer all your questions, and she is generally a super sweetheart. Uh, Ricky Stewart Insurance. Look her up online or give her a call, 341-2185. Are you in the Pensacola area and looking for something fun to do with your family this Saturday evening? Well, you're invited to our church's fall festival. Northstone Baptist Church will provide games and activities for people of all ages. Everyone is welcome to come enjoy the hay rides, cotton candy, free food, bounce houses, door prize giveaways, and much more. This Saturday, November 11th, from 5 to 8 p.m., we want you to be our guest at Northstone. This fall festival will be located on our beautiful 11-acre property in northwest Pensacola. Our address is 2550 West Nine Mile Road, so look us up. And join us this Saturday, November 11th at 5 p.m. For more information about the Fall Festival, please visit our church's website, northstonebaptist.org, or check out the Northstone Baptist Facebook page. We hope to see you this Saturday evening for family fun at the Northstone Fall Festival. When you were 18, you spent your spring break in Cancun. The party was legendary, and you speak of it often, even though you don't remember half of it. The geeky kid who sat across from you in math class stayed home, practicing calculus. You made fun of her. A lot. That is, until last year, when you owed the IRS a lot of money and called the certified public accountants at Benakis & Associates. And she answered the phone. Who's laughing now? The number crunchers at Benakis & Associates live and breathe accounting and tax preparation. It's practically in their DNA. When you need to know what the heck a Form 656-PPV is, call Benakis & Associates. When you need a QuickBooks Pro Advisor, call Benakis & Associates. When you need someone who practices long division for fun, call Benakis & Associates. Now in the historic district on 120 South Alconies and online at flacpas.com. Benakis & Associates. Leave the numbers to the experts. 
Hi, this is Earl Ron, president of New South Window. If you need new windows or doors for your home, heads up, this message is for you. New South is having a one-day factory sale, this Saturday only in our factory showroom. 40% off high-performance award-winning windows, 40% off energy-efficient windows and patio doors, 40% off our factory direct products installed. Bring in your measurements for on-the-spot pricing or call today. One day only, this Saturday from 9 till 4. Please visit us at NewSouthWindow.com. This Saturday only, save an additional 5% when you arrive before noon. Veris Health Partners knows there are plenty of options when it comes to insurance. Owners Pam and Keith Giles will help guide you to choose the best plans for you and your family. As a veteran-owned independent health and life agency in Pensacola, their clients range from moms and dads on Medicare to individuals, families, business owners, and veterans who are looking for answers. They are researchers, educators, and advocates who take pride in guiding clients to become smart healthcare shoppers. Contact them at VerisHP.com. Veris Health Partners. A better air filter on your air conditioner is nice, but it isn't enough. It takes a lot more than that to clean the air that you breathe. This is Todd with Gulf Coast Air Care. On Wednesday's Pep Talk, we'll talk about how to keep pollen, bacteria, and other pollutants out of your lungs. Remember what I always say, if you don't have a good air filter, you are one. Let's talk Wednesday morning at 9.30 on Pep Talk. The Pensacola Expert Panel, 9 to 11 weekdays on News Radio 92.3 AM 1620. So true, John. Nothing makes a woman feel more like a girl than a man who sings like a boy. I'll buy you a Chevrolet. I'll buy you a Chevrolet. I'll buy you a Chevrolet. If you just give me some of your love, girl. Please give me some of your love now. Please give me some of your yeah, love. Yeah, Pitch girl. Perfect is that movie that. Um, that's my, that's my, don't want to admit too loudly that I can probably watch that movie anytime it comes on and have a good time. Uh, he's a hunter. Uh, 723 on News Radio (laughs) 92.3. David Wayne is in the newsroom with our headlines. David? Well, five Republican presidential candidates will take the stage tonight in Miami for the GOP debate. Governor Ron DeSantis, uh, New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, or former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, I should say. Former U.N. Ambassador and uh, South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley, just barely Tim Scott, uh, South Carolina Senator, and Vivek Ramaswamy all qualified for the debate. He's on the stage, but he's on the stairs. Right. Uh, former <laughs> President <laughs> He gets a half a podium. Former President Donald table. Trump will apparently not be in this one either. He'll be hosting a rally across town instead. <laughs> Uh, Chicago's status as a sanctuary city remains a controversial issue. Apparently, protesters showed up at a city council rules committee meeting yesterday uh, in Chicago, shouting at aldermen during a debate about the issue. That meeting had to be suspended. And uh, apparently the actor's strike could come to an end soon, according to Deadline. SAG-AFTRA and the movie and TV studios have reached an agreement about the use of artificial intelligence. They met Tuesday, so uh, they're reporting that that deal could be potentially announced soon. All right, David. Thanks so much for the update. Seven twenty-four here on News Radio ninety-two-three. Uh, what else do we have going on? Oh, um, this, just kind of a interesting little note. There was a um, like internet addiction is something that people talk about a lot, and I think it's probably a bit controversial within the social sciences whether it's appropriate to call that an addiction or not. I think we're gradually developing a recognition that it really functions more like that than anything else. Um, particularly when we're talking about certain kinds of content on the internet. But anyway, um. I thought this was an interesting distinction. I happened to be reading an article the other day that said uh, it, the internet addiction is a spectrum, 
And then the question is, where do you fall on it? About 15% of people are casual users. They go online for specific tasks and log off without lingering. Um, that tends to be older people. Uh, initial users is they kind of about 23% of people find themselves online a little bit longer than they initially planned. Sometimes they neglect household chores but don't consider themselves addicted. They're kind of interested in apps, and the age drops a little bit for, for that one from average of 33 in the first category to 26 here. Then you have experimenters. These people feel uneasy or anxious when they're not connected to the Internet. Uh, once they're online, they feel better. The world is right. I'm online. Um, experimenters try new apps and technology, and their average age is around 23. That's 22% of the population. Addicts in denial. <laughs> now it starts to get to the painful ones. 18%. These people display addictive behaviors like forming new relationships online or neglecting real-world responsibilities in favor of staying online, but they won't admit to... Um, feeling uneasy when not connected to the internet, even though they do. Uh, they're also confident when it comes to using mobile technology. That's 18% uh, of the people. And then addicts, 22%, they say. This cohort openly acknowledges they're addicted to the internet or recognize its negative impacts on their lives, and they're the most confident using new apps, and the time spent online is significantly greater than uh, all the rest of the categories. But I just thought it was an interesting way to look at it that, you know, it's not addicted, yes, addicted, no. It's sort of degrees of addiction and recognition that it applies to you as well. 726 News Radio 923. Uh, Jake's got traffic on the five. Jake? Still seeing uh, our normal morning slowdown, 98. Uh, if you're headed past the New Publix going uh, towards Winhaven Beach, you're going to have a little bit of slowdown there as usual. Highway 29 in Cantonment, if you pass Porky's Pizza, you're headed towards the raceway there at that light. Uh, I believe there's a Whataburger there as well. That's going to be slow in both directions right now, so pack your patience there. Uh, but other than that, we're looking pretty good. This traffic report is brought to you by Executive Landscaping. Executive Landscaping is big enough to get the job done, yet small enough to care. Call 250-3756 for a no-hassle estimate. That's Executive Landscaping, 250-3756. Keep your texts coming in for traffic tips at 437-1620. This is News Radio 92.3, informative, local, dependable. Thanks so much, Jake. Uh, you heard uh, David talk about this at the top of the hour in the newscast, that a uh, federal judge has now rejected the challenge to the 2021 Florida law that bans transgender female athletes from playing on women's and girls' sports teams. Transgender female is somebody born male becomes female. Okay, I know the term is still confusing to a lot of people. Um, U.S. District Judge Roy Altman, 39-page ruling, says no. This is within the prerogative of the state. Um, in our case, SB 1028 was the bill that made it. Gender-based classifications are rooted in real differences between the sexes and not stereotypes. In requiring schools to designate sports team memberships on the basis of biological sex, the statute adopts the uncontroversial proposition that most men and women do have different and innate physical attributes. Ignoring those real differences would would disservice, uh, sorry, deserve the purpose of the Equal Protection Clause, which is to safeguard the principle that all persons similarly situated should be treated alike. And so it uh, goes on and says, uh, laws like prohibiting the blind from flying airplanes or the HIV infected from donating blood, much, much like those laws, SB 1028 is tailored to an important and well-established governmental interest, the promotion of gender equality through the preservation of athletic opportunities for girls. In this respect, it's not at all like the kinds of laws the Equal Protection Clause unambiguously disallows. Laws, for instance, prohibited black Americans from eating at same restaurants, drinking from the same water fountains, attending the same schools, and swimming in the same beaches as white Americans. Those laws, untethered from any legitimate governmental interest, degraded blacks because of their race across broad swaths of the American social life. So he gets this right across the board. This is good. I will tell you, though, in continuing to read the story, it's kind of an interesting note. It happens to be a volleyball player, born a male, transitioned to a girl, that their 
uh, that this person's um, lawyers say never went through puberty, like had puberty blockers, never transitioned through puberty to becoming a, an adult male, you know, basically. Because my first thought when I read this is I played volleyball and I was short. And I will tell you that as a five foot six volleyball setter playing in college, if you put me on a woman's net, I will be better than almost any woman out there, period. As a mediocre guy in the guy's sport because the net is lower I can jump higher and even at five six I can hit the ball really hard on their net I used to help train a a high school girls team and you know just have to kind of hold back a little bit to train and the point is men in volleyball specifically have massive natural biological advantages but I kind of want to know more about the case because even though I believe in the law and support the law what I want to know is whether this DN, I couldn't find any information about who this person is, height, strength, anything like that, but this uh, semi-anonymous person, I want to know a little bit more about their physical characteristics. I definitely want to preserve the law. I believe the law has a value. I'm in line with the judge, and I certainly agree in the sport of volleyball. It's a massive advantage to be a man, um, but I do just kind of want to know more details about this specific person before I form a full opinion about it. I'm C.J. Papa hearing later at 10 a.m. Eastern in front of the House Judiciary Committee examining the current state of free speech on college campuses. Mississippi Governor Tate Reeves captures a second term. We all now know what it means in a state like Mississippi when you stand up to the national liberals and when you stand up to Joe Biden. The Republican defeats Democrat Brandon Presley. Four more years from Kentucky Governor Andy Bashir. Kentucky is on a historic win streak. The Democrat with a five-point victory over Republican challenger, Attorney General Daniel Cameron, a deeply red state. Democrats of Virginia back in power. The General Assembly retained control of the state Senate major defeat for Republican Governor Glenn Youngkin and fellow Republicans. Did you feel it? A 5.3 magnitude earthquake strikes West Texas this morning. That from the U.S. Geological Survey. America's listening to Fox News. Good morning, 731 at News Radio 92.3. It's 60 degrees right now. Partly cloudy skies. Beautiful morning here in Pensacola today. Escambia County deputies arrested that woman accused of kidnapping a five-year-old girl on Monday. 23-year-old Miracle Anderson was arrested last night. Investigators believe she was riding a bicycle when she saw the vehicle, jumped in and took off. Her family says she's recently faced personal problems and addiction issues. We want to know, too, what, what led her to the point where she's at. And uh, that was Anderson's aunt who talked with Channel 3. Anderson now faces kidnapping and vehicle theft charges, and she's being held on $218,000 bond at the Escambia County Jail. Discussions continuing over whether Santa Rosa County should build an aquatic center. Pensacola-based firm Baskerville Donovan will be conducting a feasibility study to answer county commissioners' questions on the topic. A feasibility study is to identify and mitigate risk and help, help you to make a better decision, go, no-go decision for your projects. But one key important factor is to have local representation, expertise, and experience involved in that process. That is Executive Vice President Jim Waite, and he says a national firm, Councilman Hunsaker, will also be involved in the study, and they plan to present the Board of County Commissioners in Santa Rosa County with several options at various price points, for a possible aquatic center there. The city of Pensacola held their first recycling drop-off last weekend. Pensacola's mayor says 
It was a good first step towards their new recycling program. He says residents made a big effort to get their recycling to the drop-off. 620 pounds of cardboard, 185 pounds of PET-1 plastic, 186 of number two plastic, uh, 80 pounds of aluminum cans, and 82 pounds of steel cans is the total, so over 1,100 pounds. And uh, that's D.C. Reeves there. The recycling drop-offs happen every Saturday from 7 a.m. until 3 p.m. at 2759 North Palafox. Residents can drop off number one PET and number two plastics, clean and broken down cardboard, and of course, aluminum or steel cans. Reeves says there could be other opportunities for drop-off sites. Talks are continuing with third-party vendors as well uh, as they continue to work on a possible opt-in curbside program. Students with special needs might benefit from a bill working its way through the state legislature currently. The bill would lift the cap on the number of special needs students that can be covered by the state's school voucher program. The House version of the bill passed yesterday. The Senate bill due for a vote later on this afternoon. Uh, Burn bans being extended in both Santa Rosa and in Okaloosa counties. The Division of Forestry has requested that we uh, continue that burn ban. Uh, I'm thinking at least in th- through Friday when we're predicted to get some rain, the humidity is still very low and we're very dry. And uh, that audio from Monday's Santa Rosa committee meeting, Santa Rosa County's burn ban will be extended through Friday. Okaloosa County has extended their ban through November 14th. Of course, that prohibits outdoor uh, bonfires, campfires, and cooking fires unless it's in a uh, contained gas or charcoal grill 735 at news radio and let's get a look at our traffic on the fives jake what are you seeing 98 in uh if you're headed towards winhaven beach right as you get to the uh the new Publix there on your left it's going to start a slow roll and it's going to be for a, uh, at least a couple miles there uh 98 westbound in tiger point at the avalon intersection uh you're going to have some slow roll there from that construction headed westbound uh also highway 29 in cantonment in front of the raceway gas station at that light you're going to have some backup heading uh eastbound coming this way if you have any traffic info to report please text me at 437-1620 this is news radio 92.3 informative local dependable beautiful sunny day today with a high near 79 degrees overnight tonight temperatures dropping near 63 degrees we'll have partly cloudy skies for thursday with a high near 79 thursday night temperatures dropping near 66 rain chance moves in on friday with a 40 percent chance of rain high near 77 stay connected to channel 3 news first morning weather team download the weaar tv weather app this is brooke richardson from the first morning weather center and right now we've got 60 degrees in pensacola 59 in gulf breeze and it's 52 in milton Our next news at 8, breaking news anytime. I'm David Wayne, News Radio 92.3. I'm Jennifer Koshinka with your Money Now. Food delivery company Wonder Group has gotten a cash infusion from Nestle as a startup looks to sell high-tech kitchen equipment and prepared ingredients to businesses such as hotels, hospitals, and sports arenas. The deal includes a $100 million investment from Nestle. The funding could get Wander a step closer to its ambitions of making it easier, faster, and cheaper for busy families to have high-quality meals at home. The startup was founded in 2018 by former Walmart e-commerce chief Mark Lohr. Wonder recently struck a deal to acquire meal kit company Blue Apron. Shares of Planet Fitness jumped 13% after the company posted quarterly profit that exceeded expectations and raised its outlook for the year. The gym chain says it's working to improve the attractiveness and operations of its sites. Changes include extended 
extending the time for replacing equipment and completing remodels. On Wall Street, futures turning higher after stocks closed modestly higher yesterday. The Dow Industrials added 56. That's your money now. The Port of Pensacola is more than just a name. It's a powerhouse of economic opportunities, a strategic location that sparks growth and prosperity, contributing significantly to the local and regional economy with 23 incredible businesses that call this port home. Big names like C-Max Materials, GE Wind Energy, and soon the prestigious American Magic Sailing Team. Since 1754, the Port of Pensacola has been the driving force behind Northwest Florida's economic success. Explore more at portofpensacola.com. Elevate your brand with custom engraved gifts and products from Prim and Proper. Your clear choice for all brand and product needs. Locally owned and trusted, Prim and Proper offers custom engravings for promotional and gift items for your business. They also have so many unique gifts to choose from, including engraved drinkware, cutting boards, tumblers, water bottles, slate decor, and more to inspire you the moment you walk through the door. They're also the only local retailer for Sandhopper electric beach carts. PrimandProper.com for more. That's PrimIndProper.com. Are you looking for the best news in talk radio in Pensacola? Then tune in to News Radio Pensacola. We're your source for the latest news, weather, and traffic, as well as in-depth interviews with local and national leaders. We also have the best talk radio lineup in town with hosts that are passionate about the issues that matter to you. So whether you're looking to stay informed or just want to hear some great conversation, News Radio Pensacola is the place for you. News Radio Pensacola. Informative. Local. Dependable. Also been in separate converse, conversations with the, the rail company that owns the rail that comes into A Street. Uh, obviously related to this project, but but a separate conversation about potential abandonment of some of that rail bed uh, for us. Regardless of whether we get this money or not, that's something that we'll continue to pursue if we can. Very interesting comments by uh, Mayor D.C. Reeves, both Monday at the agenda review session for the city council meeting that's going to be tomorrow night, and then also... Uh, talking yesterday during his press conference about this Sun Trail funding for which is about $200 million across the state of Florida. And we're hoping to snag a little bit of that for um, redesign a bayfront from the bridge over to the uh, the port, basically, and then another uh, stretch from there all the way over to uh, Bayou Chico, including, and this is not a part of the package, but another thing also is the possibility of getting that A to D Street rail that's buried in the grass uh, converted, vacated, usable for some kind of a multi-use path. I got to be honest, this is all very exciting stuff. Some I'm more on board with than others, but Mayor D.C. Reeves joins us now. Mr. Mayor, welcome back to the show, sir. Absolutely, Andrew. Thanks for having me. You got the railway company to maybe talk to you about this? That's That alone is impressive because they, <laughs> they're just not the most responsive all the time. Yeah, yeah, we we have. We're, we're talking to them about several things and actually working with them. There's some, there's grant money out there for, for rail abandonment um, and, uh, and we were able to get them to come and analyze, you know, what they actually needed along West Main Street and what they didn't. And and there's really only one active user, which is the, the lumber yard there on F Street. And they only need to another couple blocks uh, of that uh, to be used. As you know, Bell Steel, Joe Patty's, all those places that rail goes by are not using the rail. So, um, so yeah, yeah, I mean, I think not only would it be transformational for us to have a multi-use path along the 
the heart of our downtown along our waterfront. But uh, to be able to get some of that property back and be able to make it happen would only make the experience that much better. So, uh, so we're kind of working those in tandem, but they certainly are related. Great. Yeah, no, I'd love to see that that particular stretch be converted to something that would actually be useful instead of just some random bits of railway bedded, you know, buried in the ground that nobody gets to use. Uh, at the other end of this um, project, look, I get that it's state money, so I get that we're taking advantage of it. Um, what, I, what I'm what i having a hard time wrapping my brain around, though, is a couple of things. Number one is mm-hmm. the, just the functional usability of a bike uh, multi-use path on the south side of um, a bayfront because you have to cross to get to that. So where will people park to use it? How will they get there if they're like, at, you know, coming from Gulf Breeze or even at the boat ramp? The interconnectivity across the roundabout vicinity is not going to be good for pedestrians. Uh, and then just generally speaking, where will people park? It was, where is there's enough parking to make use of it? I've seen places where this concept is amazing and fantastic. D.C. is actually the one that most appeals to me. Uh, but, you know, Washington, D.C. But what is the the plan in that regard for situating this within a broader context of access to it? Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, I, I'm, I'm just of the school of thought that we're so uh, behind in any of this infrastructure at all that, that not to say to dismiss that or, or in any way, of course, those are things that, that we're going to consider, but uh, being where we want to be is certainly better than where we are. Um, and, and whether that's the north side or south side, we would still have the same discussions that you're having about sure. where we park. Um, you know, and, and, and also, you know, you have to think about it in a different context. I mentioned this yesterday that uh, think about right now, East Hill, East Pensacola Heights, um, you know, you're crossing, you have to cross really two main arterials, of course, Cervantes and, um, and uh, Bayfront to get to the water. But you also have to run for your life under the graffiti bridge. And so when you start to piece all this together, what we've got going, I mean, at least think about it from a minimum. If you're at the corner of, say, 17th and Cervantes, for the most part, either relatively protected or at least safe enough getting down to graffiti, you could now go under graffiti bridge. You could use the infrastructure in place around the, the roundabout um, or around the back of the roundabout if you want and and get to a protected bike lane. I mean, you know, and, and so there is definitely increase access from homes to the water uh, if we were able to piece all of this together. And I think that's important to point out, too, that not everybody loads up their bike on their Jeep and drives to park there. There's also going to be people that would want to be able to access it from their house. Um, so, um, you know, but I, I think we won't really be able to fully assess that until we see what gets funded and what doesn't get funded. For example, if both get funded, then we've got tons of parking on the south by the ferry landing, as an example, you know that would be a very easy place to access it. And if you look at the hashtag project back in 2018, the phase two of the hashtag project is Cedar Street becoming a pedestrian first street right. that goes east and west. And so, you know, I, I think there would be many opportunities for that, but it's probably too early to say do we need to put a parking lot in on Ninth Avenue or something like that until we really see what the end result is. Okay, and and, and I think that's a fair observation. One kind of slight pushback would simply be like, for example, you got parking right now at Wahoos, but we're looking to develop that and make that parking not the same availability. Uh, The parking that's available by the ferry is also... You know, until we get the pickleball courts put in, in which case that's going to probably be a little bit more of a demand item. And so the parking supply that to some degree would make this feasible is, I don't think, a permanent thing we can count on. But I, I get what you're saying in that, you know, sometimes the 
you know, it seems like an overwhelming problem to start. And we start looking at the pieces. We fix this piece. We fix this piece. We fix this piece. Eventually, we kind of get something that's sort of amazing in the end. And so, you know, I'm I'm open to it. I, I definitely am. I just I wanted to ask and yeah, you know, see it, what your thinking it, was. I, and look, I want to say this. It it goes back to you know. Luckily, when we're on the road to you know actually generating revenue with parking, we can do things like build structure parking, which I know uh, you're going to be excited about. So, <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, if we want, if we want to, if we if we want to have money to to be able to invest, with taking a user fee and be able to make quick decisions like that, you know, uh, then then we would have the ability to, uh, of which we do not have today. And and I will say, I mean, I, I think at the end of the day, with what you're asking. We we'll see what grant money comes in. As you can imagine, we'll we'll have some time for that to be built. I mean, right. if we were going to redistribute medians on Bayfront, that's going to take a minute. Right. Um, so, uh, you know, we'd be able to assess how far did it go, and where do we? I mean, what's human behavior going to be? Where, where are people going to naturally go right now? Here's what I can tell you right now: what they do is they run for their life across 14th or or Ninth Avenue, and and uh, and they're going over to a three or four foot sidewalk that abuts the gutter. Right, <laughs> that, right. That, that there's not even grass between it. So um, so if we can make these incremental improvements, I know we'll be certainly in a better place, and, and those will be great problems to have when we get there. And, and by the way, one note I thought was really interesting you made the other day about the parking is that uh, the entire revenue for the entire city of Pensacola is roughly comparable to one of the red lots in terms of total revenue because of the free half hour and Correct. the 50 cents an hour and all that, which is, I mean, that's a good note for perspective as well. We're talking to Mayor D.C. Reeves, Absolutely. City of Pensacola Mayor. Let's uh, pause for just a second and get traffic on the fives from Jake. If you're headed to Mary Esther, uh, 98 eastbound is really starting to back up in front of the new Publix in Winhaven Beach um, before you get to Hurlburt Field. Also, 98 westbound in Tiger Point uh, starting to back up this morning at Avalon from all that construction traffic. Uh, also, Highway 29 in Cantonment in front of the raceway. We're showing slowdown in both directions there. And now I-10 eastbound between West Nine Mile and Pine Forest showing a really slow roll there. If you have any traffic info to report, you can text 437-1620. This is News Radio 92.3, informative, local, dependable. Thanks so much, Jake. Uh, earlier in the hour, uh, Mayor Reeves, I had played some of the audio from uh, your finance uh, person, of course, um, your director. Finance, which is uh, Amy Lavoie, and uh, very interesting uh, set of information. We get we're going to get about two million dollars from FEMA because they're going to cover a greater share of the Sally damages. We're only going to get one hundred and seventy five from them to cover the um, you know the co- the multiple million dollar cost of uh, replacing the seawall at uh, Wayside Park. But the one that caught my attention that I wanted to ask you about is this sort of downtrend in revenue compared to last year is. <laughs> Is this actually a downtrend in your opinion? Is this a, you know, the kind of fears of the recession sort of downtrend? Or is this just, no, we had a really big year last year and we're sort of on normal track now. We shouldn't be concerned about this. What's your take? No, hold on just a second. Sorry, there you go. We, you had, we had you turned off for a second. Go ahead. Oh, that's all right. Um, I would say that I think it's a little too early to, to say exactly. I mean, I'm sure, you know, if you ask 10 questions, you'll get 10 different opinions about of what those indicators would be. That doesn't mean we're naive to the idea that, of course, uh, you know, what I hear about at the state level is, you know, another solid year, and then we could see some flattening out because of the natural indicators like interest rates, like the, the cost of money. When, and if right. there's less development because there's less availability of money, there's less of a increase or uh, a less trajectory of property tax, as an example, which is our largest revenue stream to the general fund. So, um, those are things that we'll always monitor, and, and we adjust from there. And, 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 you know, we've had a lot of conversations in this first year about, you know, how do we maximize the use of increased revenue and still do it responsibly? And I, and I think when you run any operation, especially one of this size, is 
you know, at some point you can't you can't be so conservative that you that you um, don't plan for the future, that you don't make the, the investments that need to happen, whether it be in people, whether it be in infrastructure. But on the flip side, you always have to be nimble enough to be responsible when things happen that you can't foresee, whether that's a natural disaster or, or a hurricane. So, I mean, all the best thing we can do is kind of stay on it. Um, but I think at this point, given the numbers that were presented, as well as, um, you know, we haven't seen anything else too alarming um, at this point that, you know, will continue forward. Uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you about is uh, changeover in personnel. You know, Adrian Stills is now out as the parks director. you got Ben uh, Heistein coming in from Dallas. Um, you know, you let Charlie Pepler go. Um, and there's been a, a couple of others as well. It, it it sort of feels like the gradual changing of all of the director levels. Am I overreading this or is it just the handful of ones or, you know, kind of what's your perspective on that? Yeah, I, I said when I entered this job that um, – that you know we we are going to make an assessment of of where we stand uh, at every department, and that isn't um, understand. You know, departments can't are not just measured by profit and loss. Certainly, those departments take Parks and Rec, for example, is not going to ever run at a profit. Right. It, it, it's a service, a multi million dollar service to a citizen. Uh, but how are we doing in other things? How how are we how are what's our structure look like within these departments? Do we uh, do how's our employee engagement? Are people happy to come to work every day? Uh, that's why we got very serious about measuring employee engagement. We had 72% turnout in 2022, or, or um, 72% of our workforce filled it out. And this was a big emphasis for me, and 89% of it filled it out in my first year because I want to know where we stand uh, and whether it's good news or bad news or what, what our opportunities for improvement are. And, you know, we're able to learn a lot through that process. So, um, so you know, I think we're always evaluating what's working well or what are opportunities for improvement. And, and uh, so I don't, I don't know that it's ever responsible for a mayor to come in and say, hey, on day one, I'm going to make all these changes because I feel like it. I don't mm-hmm. think it's responsible to say we're not going to make any changes because people were already here. I, you know, I think you've got to make it the best objective assessment and leadership as you can and and and, you, and that happens month to month, quarter to quarter, year to year. Okay, all right. I'll, I'll accept that. Last thing is, you're going to do a state of the city um, speech coming up next week on the 14th at the Sanders Beach Community Center. Um, I don't remember this being done before, but I like the idea of a general address about the the condition things. Of course, I feel like I talk to you all the time, and I hear you at the city council meetings and the press conferences. So, you know, uh, hard to know what I'm going to hear that I haven't kind of heard before. But um, this is something <laughs> right. that anybody can attend, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's also, I, I believe, Civicon and Pittsburgh News Journal is going to be streaming it on Facebook if you can't make it. So, yeah, the 14th from 6 to 7.30. And, no, I mean, I, I think this is part of the job, uh, you know. And, and as you, as we know, as directors, as as administrators, you as media that, that are paying closer attention, uh, that, you know, 55,000 citizens don't get that opportunity. And, you know, I right. think it's, uh, you know, if it's a chance for someone to be able to go watch it for an hour and for us to encapsulate. Um, you know, all the things that went well and our opportunities for improvement. You know, I'm too much of a journalist. Like, I, I, I don't I, – it's not just to come in and say, here are the three things that we've done really well. I think we're going to come in and say, you know, where are we going with recycling? Where are we going with, you know, these issues that, that uh, might, might cause heartburn with people, you know, in our community? We can face that, that you know. And, and so, you know, I want to give an objective assessment. Of course, we're going to celebrate the great things that have happened. And there's a lot that has happened that if you're not paying close, very close attention, uh, you may not even realize. And, and so I do want to share those and, and celebrate our people who are helping make this stuff happen. 
but, you know, I, I want to have an objective conversation about what, what our strengths are and what, what we're going to be focused on in year two. A lot of execution-based things that we want to get done in year two. Uh, we got, a, got them kick-started in year one, and we want to get them done in year two. Uh, and so uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I, I like sharing these things and, and taking questions. Uh, no, it'll be, I think that'll be great. And by the way, I just got told by, by my boss that we are also carrying it uh, on the air, so people will be able to listen oh, in, awesome. in their cars or on the stream or at home or whatever. So that's great news. We always like to end with a, a bit of a lightning round. Again, that'll be next, uh, that's the 14th, which is, uh, what is it, a Tuesday, I think, uh, at uh, 6 o'clock. Is that right? At six o'clock. Okay, very good. Um, lightning round. All right, some of these are a little bit food oriented, but I don't mind. Uh, first one, an easy one for you. If I give you a, a couple slices of bologna and some bread, how are you fixing that? Uh, I'm just leaving it on the counter. Uh, <laughs> I don't eat any bologna. Uh, <laughs> you know, turkey, roast beef. You know, uh, you know, yeah, right. not not a big bologna guy. You know. Okay. All right. Fair enough. That should be your slogan. No bologna for DC. Um, <laughs> is a hot is a is a hot dog a sandwich? I can't get my head around that. I've, I've, I, <laughs> in my upbringing, it was not a sandwich. I cannot change my mind. All right. So, I believe, um, I believe it's a bone unique item. Lingering bias based on your upbringing. All right. Fair enough. I got that. And then the yeah. last one, these are all food related. As I said, when you approach a piece of bread uh, with some butter, what's your strategy? How are you buttering that bread? Uh, ooh. Um, just probably like overly aggressive, and then it just jams <laughs> into like one part, like one corner, and it doesn't really spread that well. I mean, I, you know, and I don't wait for it to warm or anything like that either. You're so. just going in there, so slice cold, it, rip the bread, shred it, and stick it in your mouth. Is that the idea? It, right. It's, yeah, yeah. Incredibly inefficiently. But, you know, <laughs> this is what I say because I'm so – I'm spending so much time working on improving the city. I don't have time to butter that. <laughs> that's a that's a great answer. Although it's efficient in another sense, it may be unelegant, but it's efficient time-wise because zip zop done it's in your mouth, you're back to fixing it's, the city. Okay, true. all right, fair enough. D.C. Reeves, mayor of Pensacola, city council meeting tomorrow night, then the uh, speech uh, next Tuesday. Thanks for the time, sir. We'll talk to you next week. Absolutely, thanks, Dad. Seven fifty-five on News Radio ninety-two-three. Jake's got quick traffic on the fives. Okay, if you're headed to Mary Esther on 98 eastbound, starting in front of that new Publix in Winhaven Beach, it's backed up for a couple miles before Hurlburt uh, Field there. Uh, 98 westbound in Tiger Point, uh, construction traffic is backing things up at Avalon, and uh, I-10 eastbound between West Nine Mile and Pine Forest, showing a slow roll there. This traffic report is brought to you by Torgerson Causey Insurance Benefits. If you need help with planning your business benefits, let Torgerson Causey help lead the way. Go to TC Benefits Group. If you have traffic info to report, you can text 437-1620. This is News Radio 92.3, informative, local, dependable. Is your home your dream home, or does it at least have the potential to be your dream home? Maybe you need to make a change. Maybe you just need new appliances. If that's the case, you need to check out Topps Appliance in Milton. Locally owned and operated, Topps Appliance has just what you need to turn your home into your dream home. Top of the line freezers, refrigerators, dishwashers, stoves, plus washer and dryer combos. Topps Appliance carries the name brands that you know and trust, including GE, Hot Point, Speed Queen, and so much more. And they have a full installation and service department, something the big box stores just don't offer. They also keep 
most items in stock so you can take it home today. Turn your ordinary home into your dream home with an appliance upgrade from Topps Appliance. Highway 90 in Milton, just east of Stewart Street. Is your house making you sick? Learn about the hazards lurking in your home that can affect your health due to high humidity levels and excess moisture. High humidity levels and excess moisture inside the home are the leading cause of insect infestation, mold, mildew, musty odors, and fungi, which can result in making you sick. Condensations on windows and vents, blistering or peeling paint, and cupping of hardwood floors are all signs of high humidity levels and excess moisture. Learn more today at 9 on Pep Talk with Lisa Murphy from Southern Climate Solutions. Deep climbing. Picked off! He brought it down with one hand! Johnson goes down! Sack! This is your home for FSU football. Watch it deep downfield! Caught! Touchdown! FSU! Rolling to his left, they're going to throw. End zone! Picked off! Game over! Catch live coverage of the Seminoles all season long, right here on your home for Florida State football. Listen to FSU football on News Radio 92.3 AM 1620. Brought to you by Pensacola Hardware. Celtic Angels Christmas captivates audiences of all ages with the magic of Christmas. Christmas. Celtic Angels Christmas features five beautiful women with glorious harmonies combined with the stunning dance routines of the Celtic Night Dancers. Join us for award-winning song, dance, and music like nothing you've seen before as Celtic Angels Christmas carries you to Ireland on wings of music. Celtic Angels Christmas coming to the Pensacola Sanger Theater Friday, November 24th. Tickets available online or at the Sanger box office. Be ready to attack Rock Ridge at noon tomorrow. Here's your badge. Badges? We don't need no stinking badges. Oh, no. <laughs> If you tell me that, um, you know, Eddie bumped into the keyboard, <laughs> just like Roxanne and Sting, I'm, I'm going to have to dispute no, you. No, he did, but it just made beautiful music oh, every time Of he course, because every part of Eddie's body makes beautiful music with an instrument. <laughs> um, we're so late to get into David Wayne in the newsroom. Uh, David, do you, have a, uh, well, do you have a news update for us, sir? Well, a trial date has now been set for the man accused of rap, uh, murdering rapper Tupac Shakur back in 1996. Dwayne Davis will go to trial this coming June. Okay, very good. And here's a special bonus for you listening at the end of the hour. Fourth caller right now wins tickets to go see uh, Miami play to play uh, FSU this weekend. Fourth caller, 437-1620. Two tickets. Listen on air at 92.3, 95.3, and AM 1620. News Radio 92.3. WNRP Golf Breeze, Milton, Pensacola.